Hello, Christ community. Oh, man, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm really excited about what God is going to be doing in our lives, in our, our time together. Before we jump in to the official message, um, I wanted to uh, ask you to pray about something. Um, so this Tuesday, um, we as a church, we're going before city council um, to ask them to approve um, that a church would be able to be built at the 10 acres at Promontory that, um, that where we are wanting to have a, a regional West campus. And we know there's going to be some opposition uh, to this. Um, and so your prayers are vitally important. In fact, I would invite you, if you want to, just to consider even fasting on Tuesday. It's this Tuesday, the 21st. The meeting starts at 630. Um, but just our prayer support as a church, just vital um, uh, for God's will to be done. And uh, if, if this does pass, we'll then be able to, to purchase the 10 acres with, with some of the For the City and Beyond money that you all have so, we all have generously uh, don donated. And if that happens, then that closing would occur uh, by mid-June. So thank you uh, for your prayers. Thank you for your generosity. I really am so excited about how we as a church can continue to bring hope um, really to this entire region um, and, and through the vision that God's given us. And so, in fact, I want to stop right here and pray. I'd love to just lead us in a prayer uh, for this Tuesday. So pray with me. God, thank you. Um, thank you for our city council. And we pray for each one of those city council members that you would give them supernatural wisdom um, as they hear this issue, as it's brought before them, and that you would be directing them. We pray for um, peace and for your leading. Lord, we, we trust you. We're just following the cloud. We're trusting you. And so we, we give you this meeting this Tuesday, and we pray for your purposes to be accomplished, God. So we look to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me about that. So a few weeks ago, my son Joshua and I went to um, the Avengers Endgame movie. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to just share about how we got there. Um, so a year ago, when the prequel to Endgame, so Infinity War, when that movie came out, um, I didn't take my son Josh to see that movie, even though he is a huge Hulk and Iron Man um, fan. Um, and the reason I didn't take him is because my kids had seen it, my other kids had seen it, and they said it has a really, really sad ending. Um, and um, we, we didn't think that, they, they didn't think, and I agreed, that Josh would do very well. Um, Josh is very passionate. He is very engaged in, when he watches movies. Um, and so he is clapping, and he is cheering, and he's doing the Spider-Man wrist shot, all that stuff. I mean, so we really weren't sure how he would do knowing that the ending was going to be kind of sad. Honestly, I didn't know how I would do either. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't do like sad endings. And so we didn't see it. We didn't see it a year ago. Well, a few weeks ago, after Endgame had come out, I thought, you know, I think I can handle it. I mean, Josh, I think Josh can handle it. Um, no. And so, uh, so we sat down a few weeks ago on Netflix and we watched Infinity War and it had, it had a really sad ending. Um, it like all hope is lost sort of ending. Um, and immediately after we watched it, I'm like, we're going to Endgame as soon as possible. Uh, you know, I needed a happier ending. I needed some hope. So within a few days, 
we were in a movie theater watching how this whole story plays out, and it, it was amazing. It was amazing. That movie moved me in so many ways. I mean, I was right along with Josh, you know, clapping and cheering and doing the Spider-Man, all that stuff. You know, it was so much fun. So as I was driving back home from the movie theater, I was thinking about because I was still feeling all this emotion from that movie. And I was like, what, what is this about? It was just a movie, but what is this about? And I realized those two movies connected with a core part of me and a core part of millions of people who have now seen these movies. What, what those movies represent is a universal longing for hope. I'm, I'm guessing that very few people, after watching Infinity War, said to themselves, boy, that was a really satisfying ending. I don't really need to see the next one. I'm okay. You know? No, no, no. The, the hopelessness of Infinity War created this longing in our hearts for hope. And that longing goes way, way beyond the fantasy world of the Avengers. I mean, this is life. This is a longing that each and every one of us have in the midst of our feelings of hopelessness. Whatever situation that we find ourselves in, will my marriage ever be, ever be restored? Will my 30-year-old son ever turn back to the Lord? Will I ever get out of debt? Will I ever defeat this addiction? Will I ever be able to, 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 to live without these feelings of, of despair or depression? I mean, whatever the hopelessness is, all of us, I'm guessing that all of us have areas of our, of our lives where honestly we're feeling hopeless. And, and it's just kind of set up camp, you know, in our lives. I'm sure the Apostle Paul experienced those feelings. You know, we're, we're walking through Ephesians, and I'm sure he experienced those feelings because we know that Paul was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. He was in prison. I mean, he was literally in chains, very likely facing a death sentence. I mean, talk about a hopeless situation. Talk about, I mean, isolated relationships, unable to do what God was calling him to do. His very life was literally in the hands of Roman authorities. But in the midst of all of this, Paul experienced hope in an amazing way. And his words, his example, can help us experience hope no matter what our circumstances. So today, today we're looking at one of the, one of the most inspiring, hopeful passages in the entire Bible. Seriously, I mean this. I'm, pastors probably say that all the time. But I'm, this is serious. I really mean this. Ephesians chapter 3 Verses 20 to 21, where Paul brings to a dramatic conclusion the first three chapters. All that he's been talking about in these first three chapters about who we are in Christ, all of that, he brings all of that to a conclusion in these verses. So let's read Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Let's read this out loud together. Read this, this with me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. I could probably just stop right now. I mean, this is just amazing, this passage, but this is God's word. And in these two verses, Paul shows us how, how we can experience hope no matter what we're going through, how we can rekindle hope in our hearts, no matter what our circumstances. And there are four specific things that we see Paul doing 
in these verses. Four things that we can do as well. First, in order to have hope rekindled in our hearts, first of all, look up. Look up. Notice the first three words Paul uses. Now to him. To him. Paul is intentionally turning his heart and his mind to God. He is turning his attention Godward. But he's actually doing something more than that because his attention has been Godward because we know the past two weeks we've been looking at the verses leading up to this and he's been praying this prayer and we've been looking at this amazing prayer. And so in the midst of this prayer where God is looking up, he's, he's look, looking to God, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's looking to God, he's asking God to do some things for these people. In the midst of that, Paul shifts gears right here and he does something very intentional and very powerful. He begins to give something to God. He had been asking God to give something to them. Now he is shifting gears and he is, he is giving something to God. He gives God praise. Now to him, jumping to verse 21, to him be glory. See, Paul is choosing to declare God's praise. He is choosing to give God glory. This is so significant, especially as it relates to this issue of hope. In our situations where we feel hopeless, our instinctive response is to ask God to give us something, which is totally cool. It's totally fine. Paul says later in this verse, God is able, and so that makes us want to pray to him, and that's totally cool. But there is something more there is something more that Paul enters into here, and I think it is a critical aspect of us experiencing hope. In the midst of, of, of his need to get out of prison and all of that, Paul chooses to give God something. Now, have you ever had that experience where you're trying to buy a gift for a person who has everything, right? Where, where you're buying a gift for someone and you know they don't need anything. They don't need anything. And that's really hard. And then maybe you have this realization, hold it, this isn't about need. This is about finding something that touches their heart. See, God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything. He's not sitting around thinking, boy, I could, use, I could really use some encouragement today. You know, or, or boy, boy, I need, I, I, could, I hope so-and-so really helps me out in this area. No, no, he has everything he needs so what do you give a God who has everything he needs? You give him something that touches his heart. Something that touches his heart. And what is it that touches God's heart? Worship. Praise. Expressing to him how glorious and awesome he is. Now, now, I realize that when we hear that, some people, when they hear that, oh, God wants praise, it says, oh, God's like this egomaniac, you know? It's all about him, you know? And it's sort of, you know, praise me, exalt me. And so they have this negative spin on that. But here's, if we, if we think that, here's what we're failing to realize. He is creator, we're created, right? And here's the deal. We are all created to worship God. That's a core part of who we are. We are created to worship God, which means our lives experience alignment. Our lives experience wholeness when we are delighting in who he is. See, so, so, so when we choose to do that for which we were created to do, it actually releases, it actually awakens hope in us. 
It awakens joy in us because that's what God is. He's a God of hope. He's a God of joy. So when we align ourselves by choosing to praise him, we're aligning ourselves with what we were created to do. And when we do that, something shifts in us. It, it, it awakens hope in us. So by choosing to give God praise, by choosing to look up to him, against a choice, choosing to look up to him, we experience hope. Hope gets poured out into our hearts. And the reason is because our focus is now no longer on our circumstances. Our focus is now on who God is, who God is. So Paul describes for us here who God is. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. See, Paul is, he is piling up words to describe God's ability and power, superlative after superlative. God is able to do abundantly and infinitely more than we could ever ask or imagine. In other words, he is able to do more than we could even think of asking. He is able to do more than we could even dream to ask. So I read somewhere where, where D.L. Moody, who was an evangelist in the late 1800s, where he was nearing his death, on his deathbed, and he gathered his adult children uh, to be with him in that moment. And, um, and it's reported that this is what he said to them. He said, if God is your partner, make your dreams and plans big. If God is your partner, make your dreams and plans big. Big. I mean, if, if you think about this, if you're partnering with Bill Gates in alleviating world hunger, you're not going to be focused on, focusing on how to get a vending machine in your office, right? I mean, you're going to be dreaming about the impact you could have in the world to alleviate the suffering of millions of people. So if God is your partner, dream big. Because he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine. So dream big. Ask big. When we choose to focus on what God can do, hope gets stirred in our hearts. It gets stirred in our hearts. Our eyes get lifted beyond the mire of our circumstances. And we begin to dream again. Maybe some of you have stopped dreaming because of your circumstances, you've stopped dreaming. And I want to encourage you, dream again. God wants to encourage you, dream again. To place your hope in God's ability to do more than you could ever imagine. So look up. Look up. No matter what circumstance you're in, no matter how discouraged or hopeless it feels, look up. Choose to give God praise for who he is. Okay, second hope-producing thing that Paul does Look within. Look within. Check out the next phrase. According to his power that is at work within us. This is amazing. Paul has just been declaring this truth that our God is able to do immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine. And immediately after saying that, Paul then adds, oh, by the way, that power is in you. <laughs> That power that I was just describing is actually at work in you. That, that, that this power that is above and beyond what we could even imagine is actually at work in us. Do we really realize 
that. I mean, it is so easy for us to become so familiar with this stuff, right? We go to church, we read the Bible, we become so familiar with this idea, oh yeah, Jesus lives in me, that we forget, oh yeah, Jesus lives in me. The same Jesus who rose from the dead, the same Jesus who, who created the universe, the same Jesus who healed the, the blind and, and who raised Lazarus from the dead, that Jesus lives in me. I mean, this power that is above and beyond what we can even ask or imagine is present within you. His power is at work in you. It's available to you to bring dead things to life, to bring hope out of hopeless situations. I remember one of the Spider-Man movies, I don't know why they make so many, um, the same movie, same theme, I don't really get it, um, but there's this moment when Peter Parker discovers this new ability that he has, and he just starts flying between building and building, and all the while are these shouts, woohoo, you know, and joy and excitement and all that, and then, then he, he begins to realize that this power within him, through this power, he can bring hope to other people. And so he becomes this carrier of hope because of this power that is within him. And again, that, that's all Hollywood. But what would happen to our attitude? What would happen to our sense of joy and our experience of hope if in the midst of the circumstances and the difficulties and the pain of life, what would happen if we looked within and we realized, woohoo, you know, the God of the universe, the Lord of creation, the Jesus who rose from the dead lives in me. This God is at work in me. Now, I realize there's a challenge here because we're like, what if I don't see it? Okay, I believe that theologically, but what if I don't see it? What if I don't feel it? What if we have prayed and we don't feel like anything is happening? I've totally been there. I am there, you know, I've been there. I know, I know, I know, I know how easily hope begins to just kind of drain out of our lives in those kinds of situations, how easy it is to kind of settle into this whatever attitude. I was meeting with someone recently um, and they were just sharing a little bit of their story and, and he, he said to me, this person said to me, you know, we did all the right things we were supposed to do as Christian parents. So we took our kids to church and Awana and and prayed for them every night and all that. And one of my kids has been in and out of jail um, and doesn't want anything to do with God. So what's the point? What's the point of following him if this kind of thing still happens? How would you answer that? Because I didn't know what to say. Uh, maybe afterwards you can help me. No, I, did, I did really didn't have any good response at that time. But the more that I thought about it, I began to see that what he was saying through a little different lens, I began to see it through the lens of, of hope because I realized hope, really, really, the, the heart of that question is, is a question of hope. And it's, it's this, from where do we get our hope? See, what fuels hope in our heart? Is it, is it just when things work out the way that we want them to or the things they're supposed to do and the, the formula works and we do this and this? Is, is that what brings hope? No, 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 no. It, it, no, the Bible, we have to go beyond that. Because there's so much more complexity in all these things that happen. See, hope is not found in looking at our circumstances and our disappointments and our pain and the heartache and in our family and in our lives and the world around us. No, no, hope is found in choosing to look up and choosing to look within. 
to look at the things God has done in and through us in the midst of our trials. See, that's what we often miss. There is a power that is at work in us in the midst of going through difficulties. I mean, I think of Joseph in the Old Testament and, and, and being in prison for so long, but God was doing something in him. He didn't necessarily see it at the time, but God was doing something in him in the midst of that. So there is a power that's at work in you in the midst of struggles and in the midst of hardship. God may want to, he, he, he may want to be shaping you and strengthening you, strengthening your faith. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the ultimate goal, right? That's our ultimate hope. It is to be like him. It's not for everything to work out. I mean, we like that, but our ultimate goal is to be like him. So, so don't forget, in the midst of all this going on and you feel hopeless, don't forget to look within and begin to see what things God is doing in you. What amazing things he's doing in you. Okay, the, th the third hope-producing thing that Paul does is look around. Look around. Check out what he says next, verse 21. To him be glory in the church. Now, this has been a prayer. This has been a major theme of Paul's throughout the first three chapters of Ephesians. You know this, and we're going we're gonna to be seeing it in chapter 4 as well. The major theme of Paul, Paul loves the church. And there's a specific reason why Paul loves the church. It's what he says right here. The church is actually a powerful display of God's glory. It says, to him be glory, to God be glory in the church. The church is to be a display of God's glory, which probably does not compute in many of our minds, right? Based on our experiences. For many of us here, for many of you perhaps, you, you, your experience of church has been anything but a reflection of God's glory. Um, you know, instead, maybe it's been a, a place of heartache and pain, rejection, um, or abuse, or perhaps it's been a place of, of lifeless religion or hypocrisy. And if that's been your experience of church, I am so sorry. I mean, it breaks my heart. It breaks God's heart because that is not what God designed the church to be. None of those things reflect God's heart or his vision for the church. To find out his vision for the church, we have to look at the Bible because it's hard to find, you know. But we look at the Bible. Paul has already shown us in this book God's vision for his church. So in Ephesians 1, verse 22, Paul says that the church is the body of Christ. I mean, think about that. The church is actually the body of Christ. And then he says, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. See, we are to be Jesus on display. Then later in chapter 2, Paul says that the church is a household. The church is a family where everyone has equal access to God. We're on equal standing. We have equal access to God as his children because of what Jesus has done. The church is designed to be this amazing family where Jesus is at the center of everything and every heart. I mean, God created the church to be this place where we belong. This place where we belong, where we can love and be loved all because of Jesus' love for us. But here's the deal. One of the things that I've discovered, probably in my own life, I see it in people all the time, over the years, is that when people go through difficulties, what's their immediate reaction? They turn inward. 
They get protective. When people go through difficulties, they turn inward. I can handle this on my own. I don't need to tell anyone what's going on in their family. I don't need to tell anyone what's going on in my life. You know, I can just do this on my own. But here, here's one of the, cons, uh, the unintentional consequences of that. I'm just going to handle this. We isolate ourselves. Or, or at least we isolate our hearts. In other words, we don't, we don't share with anyone what's going on, how we're struggling. We just keep plugging away. I can manage. I'll get through this, you know. And here's the deal. We, we miss out. We miss out on this precious gift God has given to us and his family. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. There, there are people who have words and wisdom for you in your situation. There are people who have encouragement for you. They have prayers on your behalf. They, 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 they have assistance for you, resources that could help you. But by keeping your situation to yourself, all those resources just go unused. Or they go different directions, but, but you miss them. They never touch your situation because your chosen isolation has kept it from happening. See, one of the ways that God wants to bring hope into our lives is by looking around. It's by looking around us, looking at the people he has placed around you. He has surrounded you with in his family and humbling yourself enough to say, I need help. Would you pray for me? Humbling yourself enough to share your struggle and to admit that you need help. Now, as we all know, these relationships don't just happen overnight. They don't happen automatically. They require intentionality. And ideally, we're building these relationships before some crisis hits. Um, and so we, we encourage you, um, man, check out our, our, our small groups. Um, are a great way just to wade into deepening relationships. So, so when you're experiencing hopelessness in any area of your life, look around Look around you at God's family. Look at the gift God has given you at the brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of your church family, who are part of your faith community. And let them be the church. Let them be the body of Christ, just as you can be the body of Christ for them when they are struggling. Okay, there, there's one other hope-producing thing that Paul does um, in this passage, and that's look ahead. Look ahead. Look at verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. See, part of the reason that Paul could be filled with such hope in the present is because his heart was focused on the future. So one of the reasons Paul could be so filled with hope in the present is because his heart was focused on the future that we have in Christ. See, this is a repeated theme of Paul's, again, throughout this particular letter. Ephesians 2, for instance, verse 7, look at this. In order that in the coming ages, God might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Paul is so excited talking about the incomparable riches of his grace, God's grace that are coming to us in the coming ages. That's plural. I mean, we don't even know what, I mean, just what is that? I mean, coming ages. There is so much. I mean, while Paul lived in the present, absolutely, Paul lived in the present, his heart was captivated by God's future. He lived in the present 
but his heart was captivated by God's future, the future that God is orchestrating, which is why his chains, his current situation in prison didn't steal his hope. They didn't steal his hope. I mean, God has all sorts of amazing things planned, not only in this age, but in the ages to come, forever and ever. In fact, check, this, check out this verse from Ephesians chapter 1. We saw this a few weeks ago. Check this out. Which, he, which God purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Wow. Paul is describing how God is going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. I mean, we have a God who is the ultimate avenger, right? We have a God who is the ultimate avenger, defeating evil and bringing restoration, avenging our brokenness and our pain. I mean, talk about an end game. I mean, God's got the end game. He has got the end game. He knows where all of this is headed. And it is going to be more glorious. It is going to be more glorious than we could ever dream or imagine is even possible. See, that is something to place your hope in. That's something to place your hope in. No matter how dark and difficult things get in our lives. And I know some of you are in the midst of really hard things, no matter how dark and difficult things get, we have a hope that goes beyond this life. And that hope, this is really important, folks, that hope changes our experience in the present. It's not just a, you know, I mean, kind of there's sort of this attitude sometimes you hear people, they describe it sort of like life sucks, so just hang on and, and, and be miserable until you die and then it's going to get a lot better. You know, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't think that's what Paul is talking about here. The hope he's talking about actually changes our experience in the present. See, this is an invitation to a joyful hope right now, even in the midst of whatever situation we find ourselves in. I mean, I don't get the feeling here that Paul was suffering in prison. Do you? I mean, read this whole letter. Do you get any sense that Paul is actually suffering in prison? Maybe his other inmates were suffering. But Paul's life was just filled with this joyful hope. He was looking up, and he was looking within, and he was looking around, and he was looking ahead. I mean, and, and his whole experience of life was dramatically changed because of that. His experience of life in the present, not that his circumstances changed, but his experience of life in the present was dramatically changed. And the same thing, is that, that, that same thing, that same hope is available to all of us, no matter what we're going through. So when I, when I started college um, um, a long time ago, um, but I pledged to a fraternity, um, and so I moved into the, the, the frat, moved into the house, and I started my freshman year at Kansas State. Um, I was 17 years old. My birthday's not till early September, so I actually went to college. I was 17 years old, and I had no idea what I was in for because that was back in the day that hazing was actually acceptable um, and not illegal. Um, and so, so within a few months of being a freshman pledge, in this fraternity, I found myself in this environment with my fellow plebes um, being regularly yelled at, 
um, woken up in the middle of the night to stand at attention um, for hours, um, being shouted at and having cigar smoke blown in our faces. Um, I mean, it was a miserable few months. Um, I felt so hopeless, and I wanted to quit so many times. (laughs) Um, But what I didn't realize in that situation, but now I actually see it way more clearly, but I didn't realize is that hope was all around me. Hope was all around me in that situation. So when when I would call my parents um, in my misery, um, they would always encourage me to look ahead, reminding me, man, you're almost to the finish line. You're almost to the finish line. It'll be worth it. And then there were many times, many times that I prayed (laughs) to God. I prayed in desperation to God, looking up for him to help me get through this. And in that place, now I realize I was discovering, I didn't realize at the time, but I now realize that I was discovering an inner strength that I didn't know I had. Something was happening in me. There was a strength that was being poured out in me. There was a faith to endure something more challenging than I had ever experienced in my whole life. And I also now see I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone in this. I had this band of brothers, right? These fellow plebes. And we were in this together, enduring shouts and insults and cigar smoke, but solidifying relationships with each other that would become lifelong friendships. I now see that hope was within my reach throughout that entire experience. The problem was I just didn't embrace that hope that I had very often. A lot of times I would just kind of wallow in my misery rather than look up and look within and look around and look ahead. See, those are are the choices Those four things are the choices that all of us have every day of our lives. Every one of us, we have those same choices. Will we embrace the joyful hope that is ours right now? Looking up to praise a God who is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Looking within to trust that he is at work even when we don't see it. Looking around to lean on God's amazing church family that he has placed us in and looking ahead to a glorious future that God is orchestrating. See, folks, hope is here in the person of Jesus. Hope is here in the person of Jesus and in this church family that he has placed us in. Hope is here. Are we embracing that hope? That's the question. Are we embracing this hope? Amen. Let's pray together. So, Father, thank you for your word, um, this amazing passage, these verses. And I want to just pray. um, This is actually the word, the verse that was on my heart uh, just before service. I was praying. It says, blessing, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is what has just been stirring in my heart and and, and, and what I want to pray into right now. And so, Lord, I just want to pray and I want to encourage all of us here, just have this posture of openness 
for God the Holy Spirit to pour his hope into you. And so, Lord, we are asking, Holy Spirit, we are asking you now, overflow our hearts with hope. Overflow. Not just a trickle. Overflow in every situation. You know what's going on. You know where despair has settled in. You know where we have stopped dreaming and we just kind of just trying to survive, Lord, you know these places. And so I am asking, we are asking for an overflow of hope to be poured out right now in this place. So let's just open our hearts to the Lord. Let's just look up to him. Who is able to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. Look up to him. And look within and realize he is at work even when you don't see it. Maybe in the midst of your, you're you're developing this spiritual tenacity, this perseverance that you don't even see or realize. But he is doing something in you. And look around. Don't isolate. Don't, don't, Don't go this alone. Look around the body of Christ he's given you. And finally, look ahead to this amazing future. Paul can't even find words to describe where God restores all things. God, hope, hope poured out. More, Lord. Help us to be people of hope, to walk in hope. As we, as we apply this passage and do these things intentionally, where we look, these intentional things that you would be pouring out hope upon us. So one of the things that's been stirring in my heart, too, about this passage in particular, we like to do this, I don't know, once a month or so, but um, to pray for God to do amazing things in each other's lives for him to bring healing. Um, we're going we're gonna to pray for healing in just a, a couple um, minutes for those who would like to receive prayer for that. And I just want to share, I like to do this, I want to share just a couple of stories that have happened since the, since the last time that we've done this. So we had a woman um, with a neck brace um, wearing a neck brace. She had two injured vertebrae. Um, she raised her hand during the time where just, and people gathered around her just to pray for her. She went to the doctor after that, did the MRI. The doctor said, throw away those braces because you don't need them anymore. Um, so, which is, which is awesome. There was another woman in our congregation had, um, knee pain. She was in a knee brace, um, and needed surgery, knew that she needed surgery, had gone to the doctor, all that surgery was scheduled. She had some people pray for her, um, before she went into surgery, had some people from Christ community pray for her. She went in for knee surgery and nothing was wrong. So the doctor actually just closed her back up and apologized um, there was nothing wrong, which was kind of a weird deal. The doctor is apologizing because he didn't have to operate. And she was just rejoicing that God had actually healed her. So, so man, God is able, right? And we can ask, we can ask. We're not, we're not claiming anything. Yeah. Praise God. 
He's able and he encourages us to ask. And so that's what we're going to do. So why don't we stand? Uh, we do this a number of times. If you're new here, don't freak out. This is a real simple thing, but God has used this and uses this. So the way this will work in just a moment, if you have a particular thing that you would like to receive prayer for, Maybe it's something you have battled with for years. It could be um, something related to your mental health. It could be physical health. It could be whatever. So, but it's, it could be something you've had for years. It could be something that just happened last week or something you had a car accident and your neck's still sore, whatever it is. Um, it's something that's bothering you and you would love for God just to touch you and to bring healing some healing to that. And so if that's you, what we're going to do in just a moment, I'm going to have you raise your hand. You're just going to hold your hand up. And then the people around you, we're just going to get to, we get to be the church. So we're going to look up and we're going to look around. We're going to apply what we just learned. We're going to look up to God and we're going to look around. We're going to let the people around us, our church family, actually pray for us, okay? Just for a couple minutes. Um, so if you would like to receive prayer for anything, even something small, something big, whatever, just raise your hand. Just hold it up for a couple moments, if you would, so people can see you. Okay, just hold it up. Don't be afraid. It's an opportunity for God to do something really cool. So people, look around um, at those whose hands are up. And if you would move towards them, let's make sure everyone who has their hand up has someone around them, okay? So go ahead and move. Make sure anyone who has their hand up has, has a few people around them. And once you're kind of surrounded with some folks, you can just drop your hand Everyone have people around them? Okay, now, what I want you to do is, if you just put your hand down, just tell the people what they're praying for. It doesn't have to be in great detail, just what are they praying for, okay? So let them know. All right, so once you know, Let's begin to pray. You can pray out loud. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray quietly, but let's just lift up this person to the, and let's look to God who is able to do above and beyond what we can even ask or imagine. Let's ask him to bring healing. Go ahead and go for it. Just ask him to bring healing. So, Father, I am joining my prayers right now. You can keep praying. If you're praying out loud, go, go for it. I'm just going to kind of join my prayers here. But God, we pray, we pray for healing. 
we pray for restoration. We look to you as the God who is able to do above and beyond what we can even ask or imagine. I thank you for the courage of those who raised their hand and maybe they've been praying for years for something, Lord, and we just, we just join our prayers with theirs and we are asking you to lift them up. We pray that you would encourage them. We pray for healing and wholeness. We pray for pain to be gone. We pray for, for issues of mental illness to be, to be healed, Lord to be restored, Lord, to be, to just to bring wholeness to emotions and wholeness to bodies, God. And we pray, Lord, we pray for progress, God. We, we ask for instantaneous miracles would be awesome, but also, Lord, just progress, God, from here and things would just be getting better. Pain would be lessening. And so we're looking for anything, God. Pray for your power and your peace. And that these people, we pray more than anything, they would know hope. They would know your hope in the midst of their situation, that you are walking with them. No matter the outcome of these prayers, you are walking with them. So surround them now with your love, with your power, with your peace, and with your joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Okay, you can go back to your, uh, your standing position wherever you were before. Thank you, church, for being the church. And I want to encourage you, folks, as you were praying, you may be a had something come to mind, maybe a picture come to mind and you didn't feel, you felt awkward sharing it with them. But after the service, in a few minutes after we're done worshiping, we encourage you, go back to that person and just say, hey, this was laying on, God laid this on my heart or I felt this prompting, um, share anything and continue to pray um, for those folks. So God, we love you. Thank you that right now we get to look to you and we get to worship you and we get to touch your heart with a gift, a gift of praise. And God, we know we have lots of other things going on in our lives, but our lives are not too busy to give you praise and to give you the next few minutes as an offering because you are more important than anything else in our lives. And so we, we pray that you would receive this praise and that, that our hearts would be focused on you as we look to you and we love you, God. Set us free to worship you.